and welcome to Carib Queer. It's the podcast that's about Caribbean queer people who are living, loving, and thriving in the region, as well as the diaspora. It's the kind of a show that is one part narrative and one part interview driven. And we will cover a range of topics from news, business, and politics to love, relationships, and activism, music and entertainment, as well as traveling while queer in the Caribbean. I'm your host, Ingrid Riley. And welcome to episode two, yeah? And the topic for this particular show is five reasons Jamaica could become the queer mecca of the Caribbean. And I know that once I finish saying that sentence, there are a lot of people raising their eyebrows, rolling their eyes and going like, wait, what? what? But hear me out. As I build my case, and at the end of the podcast, you tell me if you agree with me or not. All right? Okay, I'm going to start out with this. Right off the bat, the number one reason Jamaica could become the queer mecca of the Caribbean is this. Jamaica is no longer the most homophobic place on earth. Well, because it never was. I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2006, a Time magazine article called Jamaica the most homophobic place on earth. If you've never actually read the article, I suggest you Google it and read it. I did. Several times. And it left me questioning the intention of the journalist and the magazine also. Because I had to ask this. Why was Jamaica being held up to higher standards than any other country in the world? And why was Jamaica being lambasted like that and at that time? And as I said... Having read it a couple of times, I came away pissed off every single time at the fact that what this reflected to me was a bunch of foreign reporters who again just love to come to Jamaica for short stints and zero in on the most horrific examples possible. And in this case, it was all the anti-LGBTQ attacks and of course this created a false narrative of victimhood among LGBTQ Jamaicans. Jamaican was positioned as a country with racialized, you know, stereotypes of machet-wheeling homophobic mobs and had ignored the fact, in fact, they had eliminated the fact that this historic movement was happening of activists and allies who, by speaking out, coming out, and affirming the intersections of their LGBTQ Jamaican identities, were making things better. But since then... We've had a couple of follow-up articles, but not, not in time. In a Slate online magazine, there was one called Stop Calling Jamaica the Most Homophobic Place on Earth. And in The Guardian, um, on their website, they had an article called Welcome to Jamaica, No Longer the Most Homophobic Place on Earth. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sweep under the carpet that homophobia does not exist in Jamaica. It does. And I'm not trying to hide or diminish the fact that there are many, many gays and lesbians who have been beaten, raped, killed, or abandoned. Definitely not. And I know a couple of those people um, you know, personally. Lives were lost and lives were irrevocably changed. I know this. But my argument is though, that those things were happening in Jamaica as they were happening in the United States and many other countries around the world. So why was Jamaica singled out in that way at that time? What was the real agenda? I'm just saying that people like that, 
may want to clean up their own backyards before they start looking into others. And yes, I know, Jamaica still has that colonial era buggery law that has to change. And that there's been a lot of lobbying and discussions um, that have been happening. But I still maintain that Jamaica is no longer the most homophobic place on earth simply because it never was. Now, onto my second reason why Jamaica could become the queer mecca of the Caribbean. I know y'all are still rolling your eyes, but okay, I'm building my case, yeah? My second reason is this, there's been a lot of progress in the LGBTQ community in Jamaica. So why not let's make this positivity louder? And I'm talking about advocacy wins and leadership shifts in government and corporate Jamaica and changes in the social and cultural attitudes locally. Let me start with uh, you know, the advocacy wins that I'm referring to. Now, there's JFLAG, and as you know, it's Jamaica's leading activist group for the LGBTQ community. They just celebrated 20 years of activism in Jamaica, and they have spawned a number of subgroups for lesbians, for trans people. They've been documenting, documenting quietly um, the LGBTQ history in Jamaica. They've launched and been and producing, you know, Jamaica's Pride celebrations, and here, this in 20, 2019 will be the fourth year. Added to that, there's now the Jamaica Association of Diverse Businesses, which is a nonprofit organization of entrepreneurs and business professionals focused on the economic growth and wealth building of the Jamaican LGBTQ community. And for transparency's sake, I'm on the board. And so I can attest that we have some really interesting things coming up um, for the community. So regarding um, you know, these leadership shifts in government and corporate Jamaica that I'm referring to, what I've seen is where Jamaican businesses have been making their working environments more inclusive via policies and also um, sensitive to training. And so there are known places with inclusive corporate cultures, um, you know, in companies like Digicel and Seprod. And I know that there's more to come. Yeah. We've also seen where Jamaican businesses are being more open about being aligned to the LGBTQ community and tourists um, in terms of, you know, being sponsors and, you know, both in cash as well as product. And this is evidenced by um, an event called Halo Pop Week. And again, transparency, this is my event, yeah? An event that belongs to um, the company um, that actually produces this, um, this podcast as well. Now, Halo Pop Week, um, you know, we started like four years ago. What it basically is that we go ahead and negotiate, um, you know, deals and discounts from LGBTQ-friendly and LGBTQ-owned businesses. We started out with cafes and restaurants and wellness brands and you know in 2018 we had around 10 companies that um, publicly um, you know put their logos out, paid a participation fee to give deals and discounts to the local LGBTQ community as well as tourists as well as allies. So they've been supporting initiatives like this um, you know through product and sponsorship um, now over the years and it's getting better. Additionally, regarding um, you know this leadership shift I'm referring to, 
we're, we've seen the Prime Minister of Jamaica himself, Andrew Holness, um, who has said that he is open to having LGBTQ people in his cabinet. And he also made reference to the fact that he too has seen the evolution of the Jamaican culture change towards LGBTQ um, people. It's evolving, he says. He says even in the church, which 10 years ago had a unified position against homosexuality, they have now been, you know, have, you know, the church is now having multiple positions um, as they too evolve and realize that, hey, God made gay people too. And so regarding the changes that, I, that I'm talking about socially um, and culturally in Jamaica, again, I have to bring back uh, talking about the annual um, Jamaican Pride um, that celebrates, you know, for the, its fourth year in 2019 here. Um, we've seen a resurgence of safe spaces for parties that are, you know, outside of the usual home-based dinner parties or limes or that private party culture, which has always been somewhat been, been still, you know, teeming along the way. We're seeing an increase of those spaces now and a thriving of those spaces now. Additionally, we're also seeing the rise of um, new brands targeting local Caribbean diaspora and international LGBTQ travelers. Because what, what I've been seeing, this trend is that there's an increase in tour guides, Airbnb, and transportation businesses led by local LGBTQ um, entrepreneurs who are seeing that, that this is, you know, the, the gate has been flown and they're positioning themselves to actually grow businesses around this. And so this is actually a perfect segue into the third reason I believe Jamaica is on its way to becoming the queer mecca of the Caribbean. And the third reason is this. Rainbow rain what I call rainbow tourism is about to explode. Now, we all know that travel and tourism is the world's largest industry. And for the Caribbean, and by extension Jamaica, tourism is big business. LGBTQ travel, which is quantified and labeled the pink dollar, is very, very strong. In fact, it is estimated that the size of the accommodation market alone annually is around $28 billion. And overall, the travel market, um, the pink dollar travel market, is estimated to be a, a little bit over $100 billion annually. And so, what makes Jamaica an LGBTQ-friendly destination? Let me run down a couple of things for you. One, the Prime Minister himself, as I mentioned earlier, Andrew Holness, and a tourism minister, has declared Jamaica open to LGBTQ tourists. And they did so on a blitz um, in Europe and across um, the Caribbean you know, at various travel events in 2017. In addition to that, there's always been, you know, you know, Jamaican brands like Sandals and G Jam Hotel and Tingalea's Jake's Hotel that have pretty much declared and, and, and been have an, an internal culture and have all, all, always welcomed a whole bunch of um, LGBTQ tourists locally and internationally. So we have those kind of accommodation and attraction brands already and have been there in place for at least 10 or so years. But, you know, we have more coming onto the market. The third thing that makes Jamaica a LGBTQ-friendly destination um, is technology. 
We're seeing you know, digital accommodation platforms like um, Airbnb. We're seeing content marketing channels like Instagram playing an influential role in that. Um, there are over 80 million gay people who are internet enabled according to, local, according to studies. And 80% of them bought their last holiday travel online. So they're active on social media and are influenced by it. And Jamaica, of course, is right there. And let us not forget about these dating apps like Tinder and Grindr and Her and a whole bunch of others, which are creating both curiosity and connections from the local to the global. And of course, you know, we have the local community and their friends in the diaspora um, who share their stories and host each other. And we have to, we can't forget this, yeah? Jamaica itself, Brand Jamaica is a global powerhouse, simply because we have a treasure trove of experiences, adventures, food, music, and culture that, of course, is globally appealing to everyone. And LGBTQ travelers around the Caribbean and the world, they're no different, yeah? So given these facts and trends and opportunities, I believe that Jamaican gaycations will continue to rise as this is really, really just too, too, we simply can't just leave the pink dollar, leave it on the table. It's too abundant and too beautiful, yeah? So the fourth reason I believe Jamaica could become the queer mecca of the Caribbean is this. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine what you guys are gonna say to this one. Reggae music icon Buja Banton has evolved. He has removed his controversial 1992 song, Boom Bye Bye, from his catalog, and he stopped performing it from way back in 2007, 12 years ago. Buju knows that he caused a lot of pain and suffering and hurt to the LGBTQ people. And it also hurt Jamaica's global reputation of being a place for one love. And of course, he and his family did feel a lot of pain too in so many different ways from this song that is now 27 years old. The song included anti-gay lyrics that says like, boom, bye, bye, in a batty boy head, rude boy not promote na nasty man, them half it dead, which in English, because that was patwa, means shooting a gay man in his head. In short, that's what it really means. Now, Buju is on his long walk to freedom tour across the Caribbean and the world after serving a seven year sentence related to drugs. Um, so he's out and he is doing his thing. And recently he has said again, because people are wondering why you know, he's you know, giving these concerts now across the region and, and heading to the world, why is he not performing? So he had to remind them that he has removed this song from his catalog. He hasn't performed it in 12 years and he's not about to do so. So he said, he's put out an actual, um, an actual press release and he said, and I quote, I recognize that the song has caused much pain to listeners as well as to my fans, my family and myself. After all the adversity we've been through, I'm determined to put this song in the past and continue moving forward as an artist and as a man. 
I affirm once and for all that everyone has a right to live as they so choose. In the words of the great Dennis Brown, love and hate can never be friends. So I welcome everyone to my shows in a spirit of peace and love. Please come join me in that same spirit. End quote. So for one, I acknowledge Bujabantan and accept his personal growth and I accept his cultural leadership. And of course, yes, there's an underlying, you know, um, tone of self-preservation there. So all of that is rolled into one. And so that was my fourth reason that I believe that Jamaica could become the queer mecca of the Caribbean. And my fifth and final reason I believe Jamaica could become the queer mecca of the Caribbean, we just have the most out and global LGBTQ people than any other Caribbean island. And all I'm gonna do is gonna drop some names. Larry Chang, Stacey Ann Chin, Dana King, Nicole Dennis-Ben, Kai Miller, Marlon James. Them alone and the level of global wattage and currency that they have, oh yeah. And if any of those names did not ring a bell for you, there's always Google people. <laughs> so there you go. Those are my five reasons Jamaica can become the queer mecca of the Caribbean. And so let me recap. The five reasons. Jamaica is no longer the most homophobic place on earth because it never was. Two, rainbow tourism is about to explode. And three, there's been a lot of progress with the movement um, in Jamaica. So let's make that positivity louder. And four, Bujabantan has evolved. And five, Jamaica has the most out and globally um, powerful LGBTQ people than any other Caribbean island. So now that I've built my case and presented my case to you, do you agree with me or not? <laughs> Either way, leave your comments. If you like what you've heard in this episode too, do tell some friends. I would appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of Carib Queer, the podcast that's about Caribbean queer people living, loving, and thriving in the region and the diaspora. It is a kind of show that is one part narrative and one part interview driven. And we will cover a range of topics from news, business, and politics to love, relationships, and activism music and entertainment, as well as traveling while queer in the Caribbean. I'm your host, Ingrid Riley. Take it easy.